You're listening to Taxpayers Australia's news and insights podcast, Tax Wrap. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Taxpayers Australia's Tax Wrap podcast, episode 60. I'm Steve Burnham, and I'm joined by Letty Troy. Hello, Steve. And Annie Nguyen. Hi, Steve. Um, and we're missing Lisa Gregg again. Uh, she was uh, out was a... Uh, she lost her voice, didn't she, Andy? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so she's been been out, but um, we'll get her uh, her tones next week, hopefully. Right. So, um, yeah, so in footy parlance, she's uh, she's out with general soreness at the moment. <laughs> Must have been a big Christmas break. <laughs> that's right. Um, now, listeners, we uh, t- our Taxpayers Australia have enjoyed something of a relationship with the Australian Small Business Commissioner. Uh, we've had uh, several articles published on the Small Business Commissioner's blog, and there'll be more of them coming. And we had the pleasure yesterday of hosting the Deputy Small Business Commissioner, Dr Craig Latham. Um, he came to our offices and, and met uh, with the team, didn't he, Andy, and um, some members. What, what went down? Yeah, that's correct. So what we did yesterday, Steve, was we had a, a roundtable and um, uh, Dr Craig Latham was our uh, special guest. So he's the Deputy Small Business uh, Commissioner. So basically we had a roundtable talking about... Um, cutting red tape because one of the big things with the government at the moment is they do have a deregulation agenda and also a fix-it squad and as part of that um, we had a discussion in terms of what are some of the low-hanging fruit in terms of how we we can reduce red tape for especially for small business and also what are some of the medium to long-term projects that the government could engage to also help small businesses uh, reduce red tape so we had a lot of feedback from uh, a number of our members who, who came along to the event and also a representative from Family Business Australia. Right. What, what, and what does the... Uh, normally, what does a Small Business Commissioner do? What's his role? Well, the Office of the Small Business Commissioner and his staff um, have very important role in Australian society. As we know, something like 97% of, of the Australian economy uh, is small business, however you want to frame or define mm. that term. Um, so the Small Business Commissioner does have some formal powers in the fields of dispute resolution or helping small businesses to uh, sort out their various disputes, whether it be with government agencies or otherwise. Um, they also help to outline best practice for the small business community and very importantly, they work with other government groups such as ASIC, ATO and so forth uh, to help bring around changes, legislative and regulatory changes that will benefit the small business community. Right. Now, I just earlier I alluded to uh, the fact that small business can be defined or framed in a number of ways. So with the Small Business Commissioner, uh, they look at businesses that are less than $5 million of revenue and and less than 100 employees. Oh, right. sorry, uh, businesses that are less than $5 million revenue and also businesses that are less than 100 employees. So that $5 million turnover uh, revenue, sorry, is um, larger than the what we're used to have uh, had in finance small business, $2 million. Absolutely. For tax purposes, by and large, um, small business is often defined by a $2 million turnover. Right. Yeah, and then that's the difficulty that we have out there, Steve, particularly with the definition of small business. You know, for ASIC purposes, it's different. So there's an array of definitions whether there is a need for uniformity is is a question. Will, will that help small business? That's another question. But at the moment, um, we do have those various definitions. Yeah, okay. Well, so what was brought up? What was the, the hot topics? Yeah, we 
covered a number of issues. I mean, obviously, reducing red tape was the primary um, issue. Always a concern. That's the primary issue that we were looking at. And, you you know, we made mention of... Things such as, for example, reducing the number of labels or disclosure items on, you know, various forms, for example, certain tax returns, etc. But one of the things that um, Dr. Lathan did highlight was the need to not only, you know, look at reducing, you know, sort of, you know, number of labels or disclosures, but why we're doing it, and also looking at the process. You know, so sometimes it's a matter of starting things from scratch, Letty, in terms of, you know, looking at the process and seeing how efficient it is and. How does that uh, reduce the time and the effort that um, that's necessary from small business to to fulfil all their obligations? That's right. And one message that we got from our roundtable yesterday was that the reducing red tape um, is not just about formal deregulation. It's not just about changing the law, removing f- formal disclosure requirements, things like that. But it is also about all the so-called informal things, like the processes that you do to register for something or um, your communications with various government departments how easy is it how hard is it Mm. do you have to spend an hour on the phone every time things like that every precious hour is worth money yes that's right most small business operators want to comply with the various laws not just not just with the ATO but also with um, other agencies as well but you can deregulate the forms all you like but in order for them to be able to efficiently um, comply, they need that backroom assistance, really. Yeah, yeah. There was positive feedback on that? That's right, yeah. I think there was a lot of feedback in terms of, and this leads us on to the next yeah. topic, the particularly the role of the advisor for small business. You know, one of the issues that was brought up was, you know, s- small businesses often struggle. I mean, it's recommended that they, you know, have good advisors, you know, have good trusted advisors so they can get the right advice to move their business forward and also to look after their financial affairs. But one of the things that businesses do struggle with is, you know, is there a place where I can go and say, okay, this is the place I need to go to find a tax agent, this is the place I need to go to find a financial planner, here's the pers- place I need to go to look, take care of my super if I need super advice. So mm. that was one of the, the issues that did come up as to whether there is some sort of central data bank where I can go to identify, um, you know, advisors that can help me, you know, with various planning in terms of my business. You know, sometimes people might, you know, need somebody to help them put together a business plan, for example. Yeah. Now, generally speaking, uh, most professions do have association websites where you can find a qualified advisor. For example, the, um, the legal profession, um, accounting profession, we've got for tax, we've got the tax practitioners board obviously keeps a registry and so on and so forth. So it's not that there's no information out there, it's just that the information is just so wide and so dispersed That's right. that sometimes you don't know where to start. I know that business.gov.au has an advisor finder tool, which is can be handy, but then again, you don't know who you're getting and you don't know what's right. out there. And the other thing is you, you want someone who was specifically um, experienced yep. in Talk to your the language. small business, yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I mean, one of the, the issues that did come out, you know, from yesterday as well is, you know, with the Australian population getting older and, you know, you know, the patriarchs and matriarchs of, you know, various businesses getting on, getting on a little bit, you know, a really key issue these days is succession planning mm. oh, right. as well, you know, so transferring that wealth to to the children. So, so that requires its own level of expertise as well. So 
that's another issue. You know, where do I go if I need some help with transitioning, you know, my business to the next generation? So, so there's certain issues where people may not necessarily know where to go to find that sort of advice. And a different tangent to that that we also discussed yesterday is that while we often think about succession planning in terms of the business proprietor and their now at our offspring who will take over that business, the other side that is discussed so much is well the advisor because often that older business proprietor has had the advisor for perhaps decades mm. and that advisor is well and truly trusted, knows the business in and out. But if the proprietor is about to retire, then perhaps the trusted advisor of 30 years may also be hitting, <laughs> hitting that milestone too. Yeah. So what happens with the advisor side of the succession planning for that business? Mm. Do, mm. Is there perhaps a younger or more junior person within their practice mm. that is sufficiently knowledgeable about that business to help the well, the, 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 the younger um, inheritor of the yeah, business. Yeah. Well, this is the thing also, the, I mean, the next generation of entrepreneurs have got to deal with a different environment. Things that's, are changing right. all the time. Things are in flux, as, well, mm. as evidenced by uh, your talk with um, Dr Latham, I suppose, about mm. the, the, the environment, which is hopefully going to be changed and reformed for the better. Yeah. Now, speaking of reform, one area that has seen a lot of call for reform that has not yet happened is payroll tax oh. specifically all the states and territories yep. whether whether the call is for them to abolish the payroll tax in return for more gst or what have you which is obviously a different discussion altogether uh, but uh, on the other side there's also a lot of call for them to to the states and territories to at least harmonize their payroll tax regime so that at least um, employees are employees in every state, contractors are contractors in every state, mm. um, the exemptions, the thresholds, the rights and levies uh, to, to be more harmonized. Yeah. yeah, because one of the things that a lot of small businesses identify, as Letty pointed out, was you know the laws vary from state to state, the definitions are different, so that places an additional burden. And a practical example of that is particularly if you've got a business, say, here in Melbourne, for example, and you want to expand into other states, then you've got to look at grouping rules, you've got to look at whether thresholds have been exceeded, you know, so, and particularly if you're expanding, you know, you know, all across the country, that can, you know, that can be quite problematic. So, you know, we did talk about, you know, are there ways that we can harmonise or is there a, a way that we can sort of collate that information so that, you know, if you are a small business owner wishing to expand, then your payroll obligations aren't, you know, aren't too difficult. And yeah. this is where our federal agencies and government representatives need to be talking with the state counterparts. Exactly. Well, it's because business people want to have some sort of certainty. They want to know what they're getting into, what, what the outcomes are. So, I mean, that's a big a big ask isn't it really to get some certainty that's right yeah i mean one of the cr things craig mentioned was perhaps some sort of mechanism of some sort of skin so that mm. you know one central place where you can go and sort oh, of yeah. these things could could sort themselves out it's not a very easy question given that you know the state's also you know very keen on um you know getting the the funds through from or the revenue through from uh these state taxes right another area that we discussed at great length is the um, need for efficient maintenance of the tax legislation. Just like we all live in houses which from time to time needs a bit of repainting or there's a hole in the roof or the window gets broken or you need to at least do a bit of dusting and vacuuming. Uh, nothing, nothing stays pristine forever. So it's often with the tax law, as with all other types of legislation, um, you do find holes and 
technical little bits and pieces here and there that do mm. need fixing. Mm. Now, um, that that's I think most people would accept. Okay, that's going to happen because often when you write the people write the laws, it's hard to know exactly what's going to come out in obscure situations. Yeah. Um, but the but one problem that our members have been seeing is that while issues are often raised with the ATO or with the government or with Treasury. Things are very slow to get fixed if they do get fixed right. at all. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it in terms of general maintenance of the law, but also, you know, sort of, you know, the role of government and to fix sort of bread and butter issues as well. Oh, so, yeah. so one of the things that we did talk about was, you know, it's all great that the government is looking at, you know, big structural reform, for example, GST, or you know some of the various other you know cutting bracket creep etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know some of the fundamental issues aren't still being addressed. You know so the two issues we brought brought up was to do with you know the state of Division Seven A, which is you know um, company loans to shareholders, and also the other one is the taxation of trusts. Now, by way of example, the uh, the government did look at or release a paper on taxation of trusts back in two thousand and eleven. The Board of Taxation did extensive work on uh, the post-implementation of Division 7A uh, a couple of years ago. But all those things have seemed to gone into the too-hard basket at mm. the moment. And so what we said to, to, um, to, to Craig was that, you know, perhaps these things need to get back onto the agenda mm. and the government needs to have a plan to implement these things because they're, they're bread-and-butter issues that small businesses face deal with all the time deal with all the time and practitioners deal with those things all the time so it's necessary you know not to put these things on the back burner but bring them to the front uh, so that they can be addressed uh, for the better good of uh, small business but nothing in this life comes for free so even when legislative changes that are good for small business do come through unfortunately that also brings about uncertainty because businesses need to understand well how do these new rules work do i fall in them Mm. um when do they start? How do they affect me? And so one other thing that we discussed was that even if changes go through, there must be some clarity and certainty for businesses that already have existing transactions that might or, or arrangements that might fall into the new rules. And that's what we call grandfathering arrangements, right. whereby if you have an existing arrangement, um, you, get to, you get to use the old rules. It, to put very yep. broadly, yeah. So that that lack of certainty as well mm. is something that you know we we highlighted. You know, um, one of the things we put in our pre-budget submission as well is the twenty thousand dollar write off at the moment. Most might be aware that that ends thirty June seventeen. So I mean, only next year. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. So all this toying and throwing um, doesn't give businesses a lot of confidence. So right. it's it's something that you know we're of the view that you know if you're going to introduce something, uh, maintain it so that. Mm. It, brings confidence right. to the system. So going forward, what's the uh, outlook like? Yeah, so our, our view is um, we would love to see the $20,000 um, deduction maintained, but um, but uh, yeah, we'll see how that uh, evolves. Now on a broader note, um, the future is, well, it's looking bright really. Uh, on the 11th of March, Case Carnell is going to start as the small business ombudsman. Yep. Um, so the, this the Australian Small Business and Family Enterprise Ombudsman, so it's a, it's a yes, bit of a mouthful. That's, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, so this is um, a, a new role that was created by legislation just last year. It will effectively take over from the formal role of the Australian Small Business Commissioner. So the, the Ombudsman's role is going to be slightly more expansive than the 
commission's current role, uh, she will basically have uh, more statutory powers and duties in relation to uh, dispute resolution, advocacy, um, assisting small business and the like. Mm. Oh well, yeah. but look forward to that. I mean, hopefully things will get sorted out in due course to the to the betterment of the whole uh, sector, really. Okay, Andy and Letty, thank you very much for your time. Um, uh, uh, ending on a hopeful note. And uh, thank you, listeners, for bearing with us again. And uh, we'll see you next week. See ya. Thank you.